This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 332 with Susie Pettit. Show notes for this episode, including all links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes from our sponsors can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 332. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Okay, so you're going to be weirded out because you're going to notice that I introduced Susie with a different last name because Susie just went through the process of changing her last name. So when I introduced her to the show, we recorded this a while ago when she was still going by a different last name from her former marriage. And now she has her new married name, Susie Pettit, which I love. And so I'm going to introduce you now to my friend, the brilliant Susie Pettit. And she has been helping women live lives they love for over 10 years. She is the host of the podcast, Love Your Life Show, and the owner of the wellness company, Strength, Mind and Body, LLC. She's also a certified life and wellness coach and a mom of three teenage sons and also two teenage stepchildren as well. So five teenagers in her house. I mean, just a little bit of chaos there, I'm sure. Susie is passionate about helping women live lives that feel as good on the inside as they look on the outside. She spent more than half of her life living a life she did not love as a people pleaser, a codependent perfectionist, trying desperately to win an award for martyr of the year. Luckily, she hit rock bottom and now has a breadth of experience to teach firsthand about setting healthy boundaries, beating your inner critic, conscious parenting, and how to use mindfulness-based tools to beat overwhelm and anxiety. 
She uses two foundational frameworks, her five pillars of wellness and the thought model. Listen in to hear Susie share about being raised by controlling and manipulative parents and building a life based on their standards, not her own identity. How she stopped looking for external validation, how all of her worst fears came true. She hit rock bottom and she rose from the ashes. How people pleasers are actually people deceivers. The thought model around think, feel, act loop that gives you control in the most challenging moments of your life and how to use the power pause. Why having no contact with her parents and her siblings is the most loving relationship she can have with them. How to increase your emotional intelligence and emotional literacy. How to get out of your own way during challenging communications with others. And when you should treat your parents like toddlers. Yes, really. So I love Susie. I was on her show. I'm so honored and delighted to have her here on the Shameless Mom Academy. We have great chemistry together. Great conversation. I know you're going to learn a lot from this episode and you're going to be inspired to I think shift in perspective in some of your own relationships throughout this conversation, which I think will be really, really valuable. So please welcome to the show, Susie Pettit. Susie Barolo, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy to have you here. Yay. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. This is going to be so fun. So I was on your show a while ago and we Facebook and Instagram stalk each other. So I mean, (laughs) it's like we go way back. (laughs) One day we might meet in person. I know. I love it. I love what the internet can do for us. (laughs) I know. It's pretty amazing and pretty fun. Mm -hmm. I love it too. So I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dive in. I know that from our conversation on your show, which I'll have to link in the show notes here for this episode, I'll have to link to that interview as well. Mm -hmm. But I know that we're going to have no problem keeping the conversation flowing. So this will be (laughs) plenty of fun. I want you to go ahead and dive in and tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. Okay. Well, I am most excited right now, I guess, about helping women learn to love their lives and even broader picture about helping everyone learn to love their lives. Because where I came from, I spent, I'm 47 now, and I'd say I spent the first 35 years of my life not loving my life at all Mm. and feeling kind of miserable in my skin and out of place. And now I'm a coach. So I help women learn to take control of their lives so they truly can live the lives they're living. But then even beyond my bio and professional life is really bringing that home to my sons. I have three boys. And when I grew up, I grew up in a house where love was completely conditional. I needed to act and look a certain way to be loved. And add to that, my house was very male-driven, male-dominated. I'm one of three girls and my mom was a stay-at-home mom so there were four females in the house yet my dad (laughs) was the ruler (laughs) and he ruled yeah through control and manipulation and I really learned from a young age that I did not know what was the message that my dad knew what was best for me and that was sort of you know any female in the house had to go to my dad to see what was best. And I understand now, you know, my dad was a hurt man who was parenting in the best way that he could. But for my being and my little Susie soul, it was really a detrimental way of parenting. And I'm very aware of that now as a mother and how that shines out to my kids. I was constantly questing and craving love from my parents, yet they could not give what they didn't have. And there was just a lot of judgment and rules in my house. And so... Fast forward to age 35 when I sort of woke up and had crafted my life around these rules that my dad had told me, you know, if you do X, Y, Z, then you'll be happy. (laughs) And I had done X, Y, Z, and I was really not happy. Mm. I was quite miserable. And 
you know, I really was that I was a great people pleaser and I was a perfectionist and I tried to do everything to the nth degree. But, you know, I found myself at that age in a marriage of 19 years that, you know, my now ex-husband was sort of a combination of my two parents and wondering what the heck had gone wrong. You know, like what, what? I did everything I was supposed to do. And so, you know, now what brings me passion is helping people see that through my journey of, you know, hiding myself and really looking externally for validation and approval, that that is not why we're here on earth, that we really are here to shine out and be ourselves. And I did go through this journey of starting to dig into, okay, who is this Susie? And who is this woman? And, you know, through coaching and therapy, I started to let that Susie out. Yet, as often happens with change, <laughs> my life got pretty turbulent. <laughs> so mm. my 19-year marriage turned emotionally abusive as I broke out of my, I was a stay-at-home mom, and I really was going for that martyr mom role. But once I started to dig into who I really was, that got put on the side. And then, in moving towards divorce, my parents and sisters chose some actions that left me very alone support-wise, emotionally and financially, and fighting for custody of my three sons. And so I really had you know, this moment where everything, all my worst fears had come true, and just sort of that like, okay, you've hit rock bottom, now what? And rising from those ashes, I ended up sort of my big moment was being in the hospital after having 32 seizures in a weekend of oh <laughs> just, yeah, that were stress related seizures. They were not, you know, epilepsy or anything, but it was this, oh my goodness, what is happening? And so from that, looking at how I had been showing up in these relationships and how I had been that people pleaser and not showing my authentic self and not being myself and how now I can parent from a more authentic place and take care of myself so that I can be that best mom for my boys. And that is that is truly what I'm passionate about, learning from the life that I've had and the messages that I received so that I am sending a different message to my boys. And I'm now married in my second marriage. So now I have five sons. <laughs> which so is fun. What is, the, what is the age so range fun. of all five? So my biological children are 14, 16, and 19 now. And then my new bonus sons are 19 and 21. So we have two 19-year-olds and then a 21-year-old. Also. Actually, he's 22. He just turned 22 in December. And so my new sons, who I'm so thrilled to welcome in, are actually Australian. And so that's another whole podcast, Sarah. But the, <laughs> <laughs> the education system over there, like they're like grown adults. Come, You know, they both have jobs. They're in their apartments. They've completely launched versus you know, my more American boys. <laughs> <laughs> Not so partially launched or, or, or no, working toward yeah, the launch pad. <laughs> yeah, we're launching our boys, but it's the cultures are very different. So it's, it's a wonderful place. But I really take quite seriously and quite passionately my role as looking at the life that has been handed to me as sort of like, okay, this happened for a reason. And so let's move forward. And how can you craft that history into just this powerful place for your boys? I have a sign in my house that says the dysfunction stops here. And I really look at that and see, you know, what was modeled for me and know that I have a choice, even though, you know, sometimes my brain wants to go into that old programming. I'm right. like, no, and choosing differently as a parent now. 
I love it. Oh my gosh. So you yeah. just touched on so many things that we need to go back <laughs> and dig really into. That's a really answer. <laughs> no, and it was a great answer. And everyone has a million questions for about everything. So I know. <laughs> this is going to make this really fun. So I want to talk about, I'm figuring out my starting point here. So let's actually <laughs> talk about your journey. I love, there was a couple of things that really stood out to me. One of the things is that you stopped looking for external validation. And Mm -hmm. I also love that you talk about all your worst fears came true. And Mm -hmm. I think that those are two things that are really big for women is the first is that many of us are looking for external validation and we build lives around that early on. And then we have to work our way out of those things. Mm -hmm. And for you, as part of that process, all your worst fears came true. And look at you now. <laughs> yeah, I have there's, never been happier. Yeah, I've there's so much hope on the other yeah. yeah, there's so much hope on the other side. This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories, a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up, and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where, as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever. And your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you. And you're like, they're learning right now. So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. So talk a little bit about, you know, working from that place of validating everyone or looking for external Mm -hmm. validation into hitting that rock bottom moment where all the worst fears came true and then rebuilding from a place of only needing to validate yourself and not needing external validation. Well, and it is a wonderful 
piece to point out because I do think our society really encourages us to look for that external validation. And, you know, even we were just talking about the educational system. It's like, no, get the A. It doesn't matter if you learn it. You know, I mean, in these different levels. And it really is as a girl also looking for that, like, oh, she's so pretty or, oh, you look Mm -hmm. so good in that dress and questing for that. And that is how I was raised. It was very much concern about what the neighbors thought and what the people, you know, even outside of my own family thought and looking for that validation to be good enough and always looking externally, not turning back into myself and saying, you know, what's right for me. And it really took, it was, I was age 35. One of my good friends lost a battle with cancer and it was right around then, you know, it was two years of caring for her by her side and just this like, oh my goodness, that really was just a wake up call. Like what is going on? You know, here's someone my age who just died. I was a witness to the whole process and, you know, watching her regrets and her wishes and thinking, okay, so do I want to spend the next 35 years like this? And then queuing back into my own internal dialogue of what I was telling myself of what I, you know, the should word I keep, I tell my clients and my kids, let's stop shooting on ourselves because mm-hmm. it's this like, you know, what we think we should do as a mom, I should be on the PTA or I should do this or I should. And it's like, no, 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 no. What's right for you? Because if I'm doing all these things, I'm telling myself I should do. Chances are when I get home, I'm going to have some built up resentment at doing the things that I really don't want. You know, I'm telling myself I should do. And then I'm going to take it out of my kids and (laughs) or the people I love or myself. And it's getting back to listening to ourselves and what's right for us and not comparing as much comparing, you know, well, she's doing this, so I should do this. And it's this place where not necessary. I also want to bring up, you know, I was a huge what we call people pleaser. Like I really mm-hmm. was including to my first husband, my ex husband, you know, I, I very much was like, okay, so what does he want to see in a wife? Well, I'll do this. And, yeah. and it I like to think of it more as now a people deceiver, like people pleaser Ooh. seems too nice. Yeah. It's like, oh, we're being so nice. We're a people pleaser, but we're actually deceiving these people. Oh, like my such a great husband married someone that he didn't think he was marrying. You know, I mean, like I was not that woman. I was putting on all the acts that I was, and I did that for 19 years. But it's, you know, I wasn't that person of myself. I now look at, you know, if someone asks me to do something and I don't want to do it, I'm not going to deceive them. I'm going to be honest and forthright and say it with kindness and grace. But you know, stick up for myself and be that more truthful person in this world, which is helpful. Yeah. That's a really important distinction. And I think it allows us to step away from embracing being a people pleaser. Because if you flip it that way, then like no one wants to be a deceiver. Like that doesn't sound like a fun, positive thing to be in your life. I think that's Plus, a really it brings powerful. to mind that when we are being people pleasers, we're not being our true self. So if we yeah. have, you know, if we've twisted and morphed ourselves into this weird being that then we're going out to coffee with these ladies and we're all like, oh my God, you know, they aren't even friends with the real us. Like it's just not right. fair, but I get where it comes from. You know, it's all like be a good little girl and mm-hmm. all this stuff. But I think the more we can shed that as a society and as these shameless moms out there, just shamelessly being ourselves, the better for all. I love that. And to address the worst fears part, I do think that sometimes we do need to hit this rock bottom to make a change to. And so now 
I will still question, you know, if I'm worried about something, I'll just say like, okay, Susie, so what's the worst thing that can happen? And, and sometimes that worst thing isn't the worst fears right, <laughs> ever, right. but it helps you sort of be like, okay, well, that's not so bad. I'll take action. But this truly was, I mean, I truly was left, you know, my parents through different things said they would take the stand to say that I was an inept mom to have my kids taken away from me. I had over $400,000 taken. There were just definite <laughs> betrayals along yeah. the way that I can look at and I could focus on and I could bring a whole bunch of negativity and still be caught in that spiral. Or I can think like, okay, so that happened. And now how do I rebuild? How do I move forward? Because mm-hmm. like, what else can happen? Right, <laughs> I right. mean, you know, and it's like, let's move forward. And let's, you know, it's really, I do think a choice every day between love or fear. And it's that fear of what could happen. And then, okay, so that happened. And I'm still here and I'm still breathing and I still have my boys. And I, what's the first step forward I can take? Big pieces of what you just said, like were anxiety producing for me. So <laughs> when you talk about like the potential of losing your kids or like mm-hmm. losing $400,000 or like having any of that, you know, that kind of security compromised in any way, obviously would create anxiety in anyone. But you mentioned that you had this like very specific path with anxiety for you that led you into having these seizures and having that rock bottom moment. So tell us about your journey with anxiety. Kind of what has that been like for you throughout your life? Or did it just start showing up in these more stressful times? And then how did you navigate through that? And what does it look like today? Which is all a big yeah. question. <laughs> right, right. Well, I think anxiety has always been present to a certain extent because I was raised in a house where it was a very volatile house that if you did the wrong thing, there was no physical abuse. But if you did the wrong thing, you'd get yelled at or you would disturb the peace and then, oh, dad will be unhappy. So it was very much sort of walking on eggshells of this like, oh, my gosh. And so that creates just a low level hum of anxiety as it is. Yeah. And I wouldn't look back and say that I was an anxious kid at the time, but I developed two eating disorders. You know, I mean, things were going on. (laughs) And it really, for me, what creates anxiety is this feeling of out of control and just, you know, lack of control in certain areas. And now as an adult looking sort of with the logical mind, realizing there is a lot that I can't control but what can I control and where can I bring some peace into my life? So with my specific situation of, you know, the divorce and custody, the $400,000 really became a non-issue for me because I was much more like, like, okay, I would rather be homeless with my boys by my side, you know, working at Starbucks or whatever. Mm-hmm. I remember actually saying that to my mom, like, I, that is, but what is most important? It's those boys. So yeah you know, I am going to fight tooth and nail. And that's what ended up landing me in the hospital is that sort of the custody piece of it. But recognizing, you know, you get very clear in those moments, like, all right, if there's an extra 400,000 in my bank account, yeah, that would be really nice. But if my boys are not in my life, I cannot move on. And also knowing that if they weren't in my life, what that would mean for them that they would be in this emotionally abusive situation. So it was really like a very clear, almost peaceful, although at the time I would have laughed in your face if you said that, but a very clear like, oh yeah, here's your path. This is where you go. Drop everything else, get the heck out and focus on that. And that's what I did. I've had a, just to interject for a minute, I've had a few friends recently going through things where the 
path has been suddenly very clear, but through mm-hmm. very painful circumstances mm-hmm. and through very hard circumstances. But the clarity that comes and the vision that comes with that is a gift. And I hear you saying that, that like you knew that the path was going to be really hard, that it was going to be uncomfortable, that the sacrifices and compromises would be big. And also mm-hmm. it was like the only journey that got you what really mattered. And I think that mm-hmm. sometimes that's a gift. Like, I mean, people listening are like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine, you know, losing that amount of money or having to go through all that. But at the same time, when you know that when it becomes so clear that like I have choice A and choice B and nothing comes close to touching how important right. choice A is, then there's not even a question. Like you don't have right. that emotional and mental gymnastics and decision fatigue and like drain right. over how do I decide which way to go? Like you just go. You just go. Another piece of that is mm-hmm. I, and part of this anxiety is like not having a choice. I knew I had a choice. One of my choices is I could go back. You know, my ex said that he would stay married to me for the rest of my life, even though he hated my guts. Like oh that's just what the image of a marriage looks like to him. I could go back into that marriage and not have any problems with kids or money. I could go back into mm. the relationship with my parents and not have that too, sort of getting to this point. And I call her my inner warrior, like my Susie just rising up and just saying, oh no, girl, like you are here on this earth for more than just this, you know, mediocre life. Like, let's go. And let's bring those kids and shine them a different future. So it it does get freeing in a way that is nauseating. (laughs) (laughs) That might land you in the hospital. Exactly. (laughs) Super freeing. (laughs) So wonderful. (laughs) And just to kind of wrap up the anxiety piece, what does it look like for you today? If it's something that you kind of feel like was always in the background and then really reared its head in this place of trauma and -hmm. transition that you were going through. And what does it look like today? And how do you navigate it? Well, to start back a bit. So when I was going through all this, I also was looking into, I was getting coached by a coach, Brooke Castillo, who oh, does the life coach school, yes, right? I'm and she, so learning about emotional intelligence <clears throat> and the thought model, which basically says, you know, things happen in our lives and we can't control those, you know, so my kids or my money or whatever. Um, but then from the things that happen in our lives, we have thoughts about those things. Mm-hmm. And our thoughts drive our feelings, which then drive our actions. So you have yes. this think, feel, act loop. And that knowledge was really grounding for me. So I could see that, okay, you know, my parents did X, but my parents doing X doesn't mean that I'm necessarily going to feel a certain way unless I choose the thought that leads me to feel a certain way. So it gave me a piece of that control that I was missing with anxiety. And so still to this day, I'm very aware of what anxious feels like in my physical body. You know, emotions are energy in motion, I like to say. And so it's an energy in my body. And for me, anxiety shows up as a tight chest or I can't really catch my breath. And so if I'm in the middle of the supermarket or something and I get this like tight chest and I just pause and I'm like, okay, so what's going on in your head, Susie? You know, like it, it's not because they're out of ketchup. Like what, <laughs> what is causing this, this feeling? And it's just sort of that moment to moment, you know, mindful nature of like shining a light in my head and being aware of what the thoughts are that are going around, like what's on loop and what's happening and just calming it back down. And so I definitely still get anxious, but when I can you know, calm down from that anxious state before I, you know, you have the think, feel, act loop. So if I'm feeling anxious, you know, the next 
act would probably be something reactive, like yelling at my kids or eating something I don't want to eat or, you know, being too busy or, you know, whatever it is. If I can have that pause between my feeling of anxiety and the acting out of the anxiety, that's where my power lies. And I've gotten much better with training my brain and all the neuroplasticity and all that so that I can have more of a pause between my actions and just sort of bringing myself back to being like, it's all right. It's okay. Right. Right. I love the idea of the power pause. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really is like all, I mean, I used to be a very reactive parent. I can give myself compassion and understand why as I look back, but I really did yell and would fly off the handle. And my kids, you know, they've been out of that environment for four years. And just this last Christmas, we go around and we were saying something we were grateful for. And my youngest son says he can't remember the last time I yelled. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what, (laughs) that I need nothing else. Right. That is really such a win. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. That's really amazing. So it's helpful. So I want to go back to you've referenced your family, you you know, you talked about growing up and what that was like with your relationship with your parents. And I know that you have built in some pretty firm boundaries with your family in more recent years. So can you talk us about the boundaries in your family and what boundaries you've put in place? And you told me that you have the most loving relationship that you can have with your parents and your siblings is to have no contact with them. And I think that is big and powerful. (laughs) And I want to dive into that and really dig in because I fully believe, like I have a relationship like that in my family with one person and I really embrace that same sentiment. And I think that other people mm-hmm. might find that really shocking. And so, yeah. and so tell us about all of that. Tell us about the boundaries yeah. that you've put in place. Well, first of all, the shocking piece is, again, people are going to have opinions of my relationship with my parents. And that has to do with them, not me. And that's, mm-hmm. again, getting back to that external validation. Like I cannot make a relationship with my parents based on what other people are going to think. And it, and it does come up for me all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting when I find myself getting defensive, I'm like, it's all right. Like they have not walked your path. They right. don't have this relationship. And I do think, you know, we do a disservice to ourselves when we have all these shoulds around what a relationship should look like, you know, what my relationship with my mother should look like, or my father should look like, I I call them manuals, sort of like how you would have a manual to put together a new book bed or something. We have manuals for what we think relationships should be like, you know, like a good daughter should do this and a good mother should do that. And Really, we're so much better off when we just chuck the manuals, not necessarily with furniture building, but yes, in relationships to just know that we are unique and thus all our relationships are unique. And with my family, you know, I have had a very interesting childhood and I do firmly believe that I had the parents I needed to have to become the woman I am today. So I don't have anger and resentment that I did when I was younger, but I have come to this just like, aha, just the real moment that I did, you know, my parents have made me into this woman that I am today. And I wouldn't change that at all. And so I am grateful for the way that they parented so that I can see the contrast and how I want to parent my kids. And that, you know, in the way that they handled my divorce is a way, oh, my goodness. Yeah, no, there's no way I would, you know, and I've had very frank conversations with my kids, too, because they're 14, 16 and 19 now. And I will say, you know, I am by your side. I may not agree with your decisions all the time, but I will forever love you. My love is not conditional. It is very much, you know, this unconditional love. And so for boundaries, 
for a long time, I thought of boundaries as something you do to the other person, like it's a negative. And I did certainly try to set boundaries out of anger to my parents, sort of like, don't you call me, you know, but really healthy boundaries are just teaching people how to treat you. And then with a follow through. So something like, dad, if you continue to yell when I'm on the phone with you, I'm going to hang up. And then dad yells and then you hang up. The problem is we often don't do the follow through. Mm -hmm. And it's not that I'm hanging up to treat him like to teach him a lesson or to, it's just that, no, okay, here's the thing. I don't allow people to yell at me. I, right. I don't care if you're my father or a shopkeeper or the neighbor, you know, that's just something I don't allow. And so if you continue to do that, I will hang up the phone. Or if you continue to criticize me, I will get up from the table. The problem is, is the getting up from the table. You know, mm -hmm. it's that follow through. It's that, right. okay, and now I'm getting up. And I did a lot of that with my parents. And I really, I am at a place where I gave them lots of opportunities and they continually cross my boundaries. And so I'm now at the place where I have no contact. In fact, just recently, I guess it was in December, I have them blocked on my phone. They're not allowed to text. They, their emails are forwarded to my delete bot, you know, that kind of stuff. But then they had still been sending letters. And so I just this last December got a Christmas card from them with the picture of all of them and my ex. On their oh, Christmas my gosh. Card. Stop. I know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And so I was like, I got all, you know, a good sign for all the listeners out there that your boundaries have been crossed is like anger and annoyance. Like that is my mm. sign. that I'm. So I just felt this flare of like, what? Why are they sending me a card with them and my sisters and my ex? Like, are you kidding me? And then I'm like, okay, Susie, boundaries been crossed. So I just sent a very nice email. It was like, dad, please stop sending me mail. Susie. Like, you know, and so now, okay, fine. I've said that if letters come in the mail, it's up to me to throw them out. Like, yeah. you know, but it's this, okay, this, they can be who they want to be. And that's not for me to control. It's just, okay, you be you. I set you free, but I need to be me too. And that is freeing to me to know, you know, I did everything I could in that relationship. And now like I refuse to just, you know, there's an old, if I may, I love the story. There's this old story of a dog in the woods and I don't even know where it came from. I first heard Tara Brock speak of it. She's a meditation and mindfulness teacher. And so you're walking in the woods and you see this dog near a tree and you go and you pet it and it bites you and you're like, ah, you know, and then as you back up, you realize that dog is caught in this trap and it's tied to the tree, caught in this trap. And you somehow know there's nothing you can do to get that dog out of that trap. There is nothing. And now it's your choice to decide whether you keep going back to get your hand bit by the dog over and like, do you keep going back to try to pet it? And for me, that dog was my parents. Yeah. And it is that like, okay, you know, this is who they are. That is, they're making decisions, you know, that are different than mine. And that's why I'm my own free person. They're their own free person. But am I going to continually go back and get my hand bit? No, I'm going to set them free and I'm going to sort of, I can throw empathy on them to see what that trap is that's holding them there and have compassion for them. But, and my hand will still hurt. You know, it's that like, oh, it's Mother's Day. Okay. But it's like, yeah, okay. I send love to my mom in the air and maybe she'll feel it and maybe, but that's not for me to go back and get my hand bit. And that right. is a really 
freeing thing for me. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary ordinary pitcher filters, and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. One thing that comes to mind as you talk through all this, and I've seen this in relationships in my family, and I've also seen it as I've seen marriages fall apart, as I've had some friends go through marriages ending and through divorce. And I come back to the idea of when you're dealing with someone who has low emotional intelligence, you have to treat them like they're a toddler because mm-hmm. that's how they're showing up and emotionally, the, you know, mm-hmm. and sometimes in other ways as well. But um, so I think that what you said about you set boundaries and then you super consistently enforce them. And so that is the like you get up from the table when they start criticizing you or you hang up the phone when they start yelling or whatever. And you just show up and you do that every single time, just like when your toddler does the thing that they're not Mm -hmm. supposed to do or the toddler crosses the line. The only way that you can support your toddler in their relationship and give them the space that they need to grow and evolve is to just consistently in a very, from a neutral point of view, without mm-hmm. any emotion, just set the same boundary every single time over and over and over. And eventually they catch on and they learn. And so I think, you know, in adults, it's not like in adults, I don't think they have the wherewithal sometimes to be introspective enough to grow and evolve, but eventually mm-hmm. they will get the point that like, I can send Susie all the offensive family photos with her ex-husband and the men I want. And like, I'm not getting any sort of response out of it. She's not right. 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 So then it's like, you're not getting validation from it. So it's just not going to work. 
But I think that, yeah, like, don't be afraid to treat people with low emotional intelligence like toddlers, because that's mm-hmm. how they're showing up. And you, as a means of protection, and as a defense mechanism, even, you have the right to do that. Absolutely. And I think the other piece that I just want to be really clear with, because it, it caused me pain, is this thought that, okay, so they have low emotional intelligence, and this hope that they would change. Mm. And that for me has been really helpful to just drop expectations and to not, you know, in the same way that maybe my dad wishes I was different when I was growing up, you know, and he had that conditional love on me. I am like, okay, you know what, they're not going to change. I leave room for everyone to and I firmly believe that if they were to change, I would find out about it in some way. But really to drop the expectation, because there were so many times when I was setting boundaries and I'd just be like, okay, this will be the one that now they would come back in a different way. It's like, oh, my gosh, you could make this now he'll understand how that's really harmful to the kids. And it's like, no, he won't. And we have these expectations and then we're constantly you know, letting ourselves down just in our thinking pattern. I really think so much of suffering is this resistance to what is. And so resisting the type of person, you know, you're in this relationship with, like thinking they will be different or thinking if you take this action, then dot, dot, dot. And it's like, no, we need all different kinds of people in the world. And so you had these people in your sphere and let's look at, you know, where we're causing suffering for ourselves, thinking that it should be different or it it could be different. Right, right. Yeah. And I have had people ask me before, like, how do I get my partner or my parents or whatever? Like, how do I get them into like personal development? And like, you know, know. and you're like, you don't. Like you, if they watch you do it and they feel inspired, great. And if they don't, like it can't be your idea. It can't be, you can't be like, here's 17 books by Brene Brown that you should read. Right. <laughs> like, I know. But it's that, like that to me is so hard. It but is. I, it's really I hard. Absolutely. You know, again, these metaphors, I know I think of a bridge sometime. And so you're standing on one side of the water and on the other side, you see all these smiling, happy people and they're all waving. And so, you know, I start across that bridge and I'm like, yeah, here I go. And I turn around and it's like, I'm trying to drag my parents and my sisters and my husband, my ex-husband, you know, Mm -hmm. drag them across. You can't drag them across the bridge. And so you just go over and maybe they'll never, maybe they don't even see the bridge. They don't even see that other side of the shore. And it's just feel like life is just, we have all these little bridges to go across. And I am constantly reminding myself, everyone's on their own journey. It took me until I was 35. You know, I, I'm like, okay, why didn't I learn this lesson at 24? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Like we're on our own journey. And so for me to judge myself is just about as helpful as me to judge the other people in my life. And it hurts me. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I think that sometimes what feels really powerful to me is to imagine, and this has happened, but imagine that the people that I want to be most impacted or inspired by my work will at some point see what I've done and come back and be like, mm-hmm. and they'll come back and they'll say, wow, like you did all that. How did you do that? Like, I want to do something mm-hmm. like that. Or, or I see you and I see what you've done and tell me more. And some people will do that. Some people will come back and be like, I want to know more. I want to know better and do better. And other people won't. But like you said, you can't control it. And so the most powerful thing you can do is go build the life that you love, which you've done. Mm -hmm. And if other people decide to follow suit and decide that that looks really awesome, great. 
And if they don't, you're still great, <laughs> you know? Right. You still well, that's to... exactly where I feel this, like, letting go. It's just yeah. this free, like, I just let them go to be them and release these expectations that maybe even they'll see or that it's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. like, they can be them, I'll be me. And the best thing I can do is to just sort of get out there shamelessly and live this life right. that I love and be this sort of mom for my boys and, right. you know, the community around us and figure everything else will just take care of itself. But right. it's this, yeah. I have one quote I love. It was Wayne Dyer says, your biological family is not always your logical family. Mm -hmm. And that has been really helpful to me to look to see where else there are relationships that are just soul filling, you know, from yeah. a, like a mother or a sister type relationship. And when you look at it that way, you'll find them. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about emotional intelligence. How can we increase our emotional intelligence so that we can better navigate unpredictable fluctuating circumstances? Yeah. So the first step is awareness to me. It, it's like coming out of your mind and being mm -hmm. that watcher of your mind, that yeah. kind watcher. And to you know, for a while, I sort of had the thought model stuck around our house. And I can send you a graphic of that for your links if you want. But that think, feel, act loop, like knowing that the thoughts we're thinking create the feelings we're feeling and those feelings drive our action is powerful to me to just and so when I can get into that watcher of my mind, from a kind place. I really was a watcher of my mind from a really negative, mm. mean, inner critic place. Yeah, that's for many, an important many years. distinction. Right. It has to be kind. And so now say I go and I, you know, do something like eat a whole bunch of ice cream because I was stressed and I didn't have that power of the pause. Now I can be like, oh, let's look at what happened. You know, what was going on versus in the past, I would have been like, you're an idiot. You're, you know, I, like we don't need that voice in our head. There's right. enough negative in the <laughs> world. So now it's just it's really finding moments for that mindful pause is what I call it. I, I did start meditating about three years ago, and that has been a wonderfully transformative way just mainly, and it's funny, I hesitate to say meditating because so many people are like deer in the headlights when you say that. They're like, no! <laughs> but, <laughs> but to me, I find it, you know, and I started with three minutes a day and I was so like wearing my busy badge, as you call it, like, no, I don't even have time for that. But right. even in those three minutes, finding, you know, okay, I'm going to focus on my breathing, knowing my mind is going to wander and then I'm going to bring it back to my breathing. And the very point, you know, so you have the three pieces of mindful meditation where you focus on something, your breathing. Second point, your mind wanders. And the third point, you bring it back to your breathing. The magic happens between that second and third step when you bring your mind back to the breathing. And that's exactly what I was just talking about, being a watcher of your mind and bringing it back kindly. So instead of being like, see, you can't even meditate right. Or, you know, it's more just like, oh, yeah, there your mind goes again, thinking about target, bring it back to your breath. Oh, there your mind goes again, thinking about your son, bring it back. Like, and just sort of this mindful awareness of, I have a very busy mind. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like squirrel, you know, but like finding this, oh, today my mind wandered, you know, up team times talk, thinking about work or wow, my mind is really on my kids today or wow, my mind is really on my spouse today or just sort of this, this awareness that comes without judgment and that like accepting of like, okay, so I'm thinking a lot about this today and how to bring that back. And all of that is emotional intelligence, just being aware of that. And then the, the second huge piece is 
allowing it all in. I really was raised in this house where it was like positive, you know, turn that frown upside down. Positive emotions are good, negative, Mm -hmm. bad, like this whole thing. And sort of with the idea that, you know, you could shut out all those negative emotions, but really what you're doing with the emotions or energy in your body. And so when you're resisting and shutting off the sad or the disappointment or the lonely, it's like holding a beach ball under the water and you're just holding it there. And it's that resistance, resistance. And then when you finally let it up, it's this huge explosion versus just letting the beach ball bounce on the water. It's okay. I'm sad today. Or, Oh, I am a little disappointed or, Oh yeah, I'm a little lonely. And really having that emotional literacy of naming the emotion, the first step. Yeah. Like, what are you feeling? What do you call it? And a lot of people, when they say how, you know, what are you feeling? They'll give you a thought. They'll be like, well, I think that I, and it's like, no, it's one word. An emotion is one word and you name it. And then the second step of processing that emotion is where do you feel it in your body? So again, with anxiety, I feel like tight in my chest or, you know, I I have a hard time catching my breath or nerves. I feel it in my belly. Like I'm going to have diarrhea, you know, or like whatever it is or anger. My face gets flushed and feels hot. And that's, these are just tools just that alone, there's some study, I'm not detail oriented, so I can't tell you the stats, but there's, <laughs> if you just name your emotion, first of all, that starts the processing right there. So just saying I'm lonely instead of like, you know, getting all busy or going to Facebook or blah, it's like, no, just stop. I'm feeling lonely or just stop. I'm feeling disappointed or just naming it is a huge first step in that processing of the emotion. And then the next huge step is naming how it feels in your body. You know, does your chest feel tight? Does your face feel hot? The more you can involve your senses, the better. My toes feel tingly or that's what I do with my kids too. And, you know, I promise you that if you try this with your kids, maybe not you, Sarah, because your son is young enough, but if your kid is anywhere over like age 10, you know, if you're like, you know, where do you feel that in your body? They're going to say, I don't know. And you're just like, okay, so if (laughs) you did know, you know, it's just keep at it. And the more they're used to this sort of back and forth interaction, the more open they'll be. So I know my boys, when I first got them out of our crazy house, you know, they were very much like, I don't know, mom, I just feel angry, you know, or I'm fine. And they're like red and, you know, it's like smacking things around. It's like, okay, so, you know, why don't you name how you're feeling? I'm sad or I'm scared or I'm like, those are very vulnerable things to admit. But when we set up a household that is comforting and a place where we can experience that whole wide array of emotions, they become more comfortable expressing it. And it just helps this whole landscape. Yeah. Just neat. We spend yeah. a lot of time labeling feelings in our house and I get yeah. really excited when Vinny can label a feeling. Yeah. Well, like, see, that's awesome. And I'm thinking, I'm hoping the pendulum's swinging that way because especially with boys, I feel yeah. that, I mean, if we look around, there's so much violence, male-driven violence yeah. in this world. And the violence is that act line of the emotional intelligence, think, feel, act. The act is, you know, we're not addressing the anger or the, mm-hmm. ang- you know, the fear or whatever. And so there is this, reactive anger and comes out in all ways. And, yeah. and the more we can, I love that you're labeling thing, feelings with your boys. I did not have that knowledge when my kids were five. Well, yeah, I so. have to laugh though, because there's times when he'll 
be really upset about something. And when he label, if he's like, I'm feeling disappointed or I'm feeling sad or whatever. And I'm like jumping for joy that he labeled the feeling. And I have to remember to like meet him where he's at and not be right. like, you just labeled the feeling. <laughs> like, this is amazing. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, oh, there you go. Right. Yeah. And I do think, so wherever, you know, parents are listening to this and they're like, oh my God, I, I think start wherever you are and yes. anything yeah. is better than nothing. And then I know with my boys initially, they couldn't even say that like the harder emotions that they were scared or yeah. and so I just say you know are you sensing a color you know red black yeah, yeah. gray like you know is there a, anything or you know does your face feel hot or you do you want to yeah. kick something like <laughs> let's yeah those are good. get to like that those cues those are good you just start wherever you are definitely definitely Oh my gosh, we've covered so much. This is so fun. So I want to touch on one more thing. I want to talk a little bit about how you help moms communicate with more ease because I think this is a challenge and I think we often get in our own way when it comes to communication. So Mm -hmm. how do you help moms communicate with more ease and how can we get out of our own way when it comes to communicating with others? So I just wrote a blog on like the four rules of relationships. And one of the first ones is stop reading people's minds. And we do this mm, yes. all the oh time. Oh my gosh. I thought I was like a master mind reader. I'm like, I know exactly what my ex-husband wants. So then I will act in this way. And, and it's just like, let's just stop and ask and just stop thinking that we know what people are thinking or that we know, you know, what they want from us and ask. It's actually like stop and communicate and be in relationship with those people that we're in relationship with. That is a huge piece. Another piece is to stop taking things so serious personally like that it's against, you know, so if someone doesn't reply to your text or if, you know, you see a friend in the school hall when you're dropping your kids off and she turns and looks away, instead of us jumping as our brains will to the worst case scenario, let's think of like, what's another explanation for this? Oh, she just talked to her, you know, her son's teacher just told her we might need, you know, some sort of help in the classroom and she's about to cry and she's looking for the bath. Like, why do we always take it so personally and to just have a bit of a pause there before we take it personally? And this again gets back to that emotional intelligence of knowing things happen in our lives. People don't respond to our texts. People will give us the hairy eyeball, you know, and, and then we get to decide what thought we think about it. And so if we think like, Oh wow, you know, Susie must be having a hard day and we're going to feel a certain way versus, Oh, Susie must not like me. Cause she did. It's like, Oh my God. Well then, that's a whole different energy state that's moving through us. And so it really is, I think, when in doubt, shout it out. So you ask, like ask people what they're thinking. Don't try to read your husband's mind. Don't try to read, you know, your parents' mind. Like just ask them, say, you know, it seemed like you were struggling a little when you came in from work today, something going on. And then, you know, I've done a lot of relationship work. (laughs) And one of the best tools I have is realizing, you know, I have to do me like I do me and my now husband does him. And then together we're stronger. So we have Mm. the sign in our wall that says one plus one equals three. So I have to take care of me and, you know, take care of that includes my self-care, but also my emotional state and my thought work. And then he needs to take care of him. So if he comes in and he's reactive from something or pissy because it is not my job to fix it. I can say, sounds, looks like you're struggling a bit and I'm here for you if you'd like some support, but I don't need to rush in. And I used to be very codependent, like, oh, I better fix this. I better, you know, have to soothe. Ah, It's like, I can let him sit in his uncomfortable emotions 
knowing that he can manage it. Or if my kids come in and it's like, no one sat with me at lunch today, I can, instead of getting on the phone and calling all the mothers of these yahoos, I can be like, honey, I'm sorry, that, that must have been hard, you know, and just be there instead of trying to fix everything. Mm-hmm. And adding drama we add a lot of drama to our communication (laughs) it's like god (laughs) you know let's just cut out and the more we're aware of our emotional intelligence the more we can be aware of when we're adding drama to our life you know if your friend does look away from you and you choose to think the thought like oh she must be pissed at me Mm -hmm. if you can have that moment of awareness it's like oh my gosh it's so funny my brain just thought the thought she must be pissed at me you know you have that watcher of your mind again it's like oh Look at what I'm telling myself. Is there something else I could tell myself? Right. Maybe that she didn't see me and she has something in her eye. You know, it's like, God, why does our brain go to this worst case scenario? And it's to sort of chill out. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I love it. Oh, Susie, this has been so good. Oh, my gosh. I love we could We could go on and on. So mm-hmm. I want you to tell us where we can find you, what kind of resources you have for our listeners, where they can get more, more Susie love and more Susie support. Okay. Well, I do have a podcast, The Love Your Life Yay. Show, where I really try to give moms tools to help them live their life they love. And I'm very active on Instagram, as you know, since we stalk each other. Yes, yes. <laughs> Always have my Instagram stories. I also, I have this 10-day consciousness cleanse, I call it, sort of doing a lot of what we've been talking about, shining a light on these different areas of our life and just bringing awareness to how we're acting, showing up in different areas. And it's 10 days, it's all online. And I'd love to give it to your listeners for 50% off if they use the code shameless. Yeah, well, it really is it. However, I can help moms. So what's the link for that? I'll put all this in the show notes so people can go over to the show notes and click over at shamelessmom.com. But do you have a direct link for? No, I have no idea. I mean, I do, but it's like, it's on your website, though. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So people go to your website, website, and your Mm -hmm. website is over at um, my website is SMB Well. So Strength Mind okay. Body is my company. Well. SMBWell.com. Okay. Yeah. So they can go over there. They can click on the link for the 10 day consciousness cleanse and use the code shameless at checkout to get the yeah. discount. Um, yeah. Okay. Or awesome. they can go to my Instagram, might be even easier, just at for SMB Wellness. Okay. And I, DM me, I can send it to them. Oh, perfect. Awesome. Feeling lazy and I'm. <laughs> and <laughs> final right. question I have to know in what ways are you a shameless mom? Ah, uh, yeah. You know, I dive into being a shameless mom. I'd say that I'm shameless in how I take care of myself and what's best for me. And I no longer settle for just good enough for the mediocre life. I look to live that life that I love. I believed way too long that my dad and my ex and other people outside of me knew what was best for me and friggin' nonsense. So the more I turn inwards and to take care of myself and show that out as a model to everyone else and support women living the lives they love is great. I just think we're all here. We're unique. And the more we take care of ourselves, the more that uniqueness can shine out. So try to do that every day. I love it. Thank you, Susie, Thank you. so much for being here. This has been so much fun. I'm so glad that we get to continue to be connected I'm and support so each glad. other. I'm so glad. I know. What fun. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash 
Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us 